Blog Talk Radio.
God redeemed. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to God's Hour of Truth. I'm your host, Evangelist, Apostle, Prophet, Ed Everly. I'd like to welcome everybody here this evening, those in the United States as well as around the world. And a great big God blessing to each one of you right now in Jesus' name. Uh, before we get into the uh, message tonight, uh, let us look to the Lord in prayer and ask his blessing upon this service, okay? Praise you, Father. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Father, as we come before you tonight, we just want to lift up the name of Jesus. And, Lord, I just thank you for the privilege to minister tonight here again, Father, on the program, or program, God's Hour of Truth, because it certainly is your hour and it is truth, your word. And, Father, you said your word will not come back void, but it will accomplish in all that you send it to and everyone. So, Father, right now, I just ask that you bless the word in the hearts and lives of people right now. Open their hearts and minds to receive it, Father, because we know it's truth. We know there's many facts in this world. There's many things that are happening in this world that are negative. They're actually facts. But we know your truth supersedes all of them. So, Father, I pray that each one listening to this message tonight, each one of us, Father, would make your word the truth that would supersede anything in this world that would be contrary to it. And, Father, we just ask you now that those that are not saved would, would receive Christ as Savior, those that are sick, healed, those that need delivered from demonic forces, delivered in the name of Jesus, those that need set free in different areas to be set free, and those that need direction would have direction. Those that would need provision would have provision. Those that would have need understanding would receive understanding. Whatever the need might be, Father, you said it's your very present help in time of need and time of trouble. And, Father, you say you also have a plan for each one of our lives. And I pray, Lord, that you would initiate the plan in each person's life that listens tonight. They would know that, Lord, they are special and you have something for them also. And, Father... Everything is accomplished. Give you all the praise and all the glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And they all said, Amen and Amen and Amen. Tonight, praise God, we're doing a part two of a two-part series here called You Were and Are Redeemed. You Were and Are Redeemed. Now, I'm not going to <clears throat> go back over the first part there or even, even bring any of it out right now because you can go on the on-demand section on uh uh, reaching out Radio International, where you're either on the computer looking at this or listening to it on the phone, whatever the case might be. But just go to the on-demand section, and it'll have part one of You Were and Are Redeemed. And then you can connect the two together because it shows things that we're redeemed from in the, in the first part. It, it names certain things that God redeemed us from. And now we're going to do the same thing in this second part, only there's more things here because there's many things that God redeemed us from. And we are redeemed from them. Now, we have an enemy that's fighting us about these things, because the things that I named, you might say, well, my, oh, my, I, you said we're redeemed, but look, so-and-so's having problems with this, they're having problems with that. Well, what you have to realize, the promises of God are not held back from God for us. He says they're all yes and amen. They're all yes and amen. It's not if it be my will. It is God's will for his promises to be in your life. We just have to meet conditions of them. We have to have a pure heart. 
but there's one that is fighting us from getting these promises, and we have to contend with, and that's what we call fighting the battle of faith, making the word of God a reality in our lives, you see, the promises of God, and that's what it's all about, and that's what we're learning to do. Okay, last week I, I listened to that message, and I saw something, and this isn't something I do very often, but my tongue must have slipped, and I misquoted two scriptures there by accident. And I'm going to say those two, and, and uh, anyhow, most people probably wouldn't even recognize it, but I misquoted uh, the love of God shed abroad in our hearts is in Romans 5.5. 5. And also I misquoted, I don't, I don't know how that was a slip of the tongue, but in Joshua eight tells us we're to meditate upon the word of God and we will make our way successful in all things. We're to meditate in God's word, and if we meditate, and apply them to our lives, we make our way successful. God doesn't do it. We do it. We're just accepting and doing what he told us to do because it's an automatic thing. God says, if you do my word, I don't make it successful for you, but you do it yourself because you're obeying me. When you And when you obey my word, what it promises will bring to pass, will come to pass, you say. And his love is shed abroad in our parts by, hearts by the Holy Ghost. And, of course, we have that ability to love. We choose to. In fact, that's one of the fruits of the Spirit is to love people. Now, that is in our hearts, but you and I have the will to release it, and God will enable us and give us the strength to do it because it's not always as easy to show love to others, especially as they uh, did us wrongly or they did a lot of situations and things in our lives that would provoke us. But we must do that because if we don't forgive, we're not forgiven. So that love is in our hearts. We have the will to use it, and he will enable us and give us the strength to do it. Okay, uh, tonight we're going to start part two of this series right here. So I really would ask you all to go back and listen to it now. Even if you heard it last week, go back and refresh your, your minds to it after the program tonight. You can hear the first part of this, and we're going to do the second part tonight. And generally after about... Uh, well, a few minutes uh, from the program when it's scheduled for about an hour and a half, and usually we don't run that late. So uh, after that hour and a half's up, it's usually a matter of a few minutes till they have it up there on the on-demand section where you can listen to it at your convenience. And also there might be something there you want to you hear and you say, what was that? And you can back it up. You say you can do that, but you can't do it when I'm speaking because there's no way to do it. But when you do in the on-demand section, you can listen to it and just stop it, start it, stop it, and start it from wherever you want to do it at. Okay, enough said, I guess, by that. But I wanted to remind you also that I'm on uh, the program. I have my, my program, God's Hour of Truth, the second Tuesday of every month and the last Tuesday of every month. Like uh, the ninth of the month was the, the last time I had the program on here. Now, this is three weeks later, the 30th. But it's the second and last Tuesday of every month at 7 o'clock that I'm on the program. And we have other other ministers on other times on there, which if you go to the uh, really the on-demand section around there, you'll see the upcoming programs and what's on the on-demand, and all you have to do is scroll the on-demand. So I would try to encourage each one of you to do that because I have, usually haven't talked much about that on the programs here, but I want to say that to promote that because there's a lot of good, good word on there that you all need, that we all need. Okay, as we look into this now, what have we been delivered from and redeemed from and are redeemed from? We were 2,000 years ago, and 2,000 years later we are and can still, will still be redeemed until the day that uh, we are redeemed, we were taken home by Jesus Christ when he came back to his church. 
So we are, and we were redeemed. We're redeemed right now. Okay, the next thing that we are redeemed from is, if we start out here, get myself ready here to see where we were at, where we stopped off. Okay, the next thing is demonic control and oppression. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke 10, 19, and 20. Demonic control and oppression. He says in Luke 10 and 19 and 20, he said, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents, scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this rejoice not, but that your spirits are subject to subject to you, but rejoice rather that your names are written in heaven. Yes, that's the most important thing, that our names are written in the book of life, that whenever Jesus comes back, we'll be, a num- man- yes, we'll be in that number. We'll be in that number. Our names are in that book, and we will be going in the rapture, you say. So praise God that we are written in that book, because if your name isn't in the book, you're not going to go to heaven. So that's the most important thing, that our name's written in the book. But that doesn't mean that we're to take uh, uh, shortly and not really take it real seriously over heaven all the power over the enemy and nothing by any means will hurt us, you see. We have power over all, all the power over the enemy, and nothing by any means will hurt you. So you and I have authority over the devil. A lot of times people will say, well, the devil is really fighting me. I'm having a problem with this. This is happening. Pray for me. The devil is really working on me. And, you know, we pray for one another. We need to pray and bind the forces off for one another. But when the enemies come at you, you, you need to take authority over him. So you need to take that authority because he's given you the authority, just like he's given me or he's given your pastor or given somebody else or anybody. It's whosoever will dare to believe that he's given you the authority over Satan and use that power, it will work, you see. It will work in whoever believes it and acts upon it and believes it and uses it. The power of God comes on the scene when we act on that word and use it, believing it. And that's when the power is there. Because God doesn't need his power to manifest in any other time. The giftings and the power of God within us operate in the midst of our using that power, either ministering to others or casting demons out or whatever we're doing. That's when the power of God is there. That's when we need it, you see. He does what he says. He says, that word of mine will not come back void. Uh, he tells us in Isaiah 55:11. He said, "My word sent forth will go forth for the intended purpose; it will not come back void." So when you use that word in the name of Jesus, Satan, I bind you and I cast you out in the name of Jesus. When you do that, the authority of God is upon that there, and He has to leave, not because you said it, but what is behind that? God's behind that word. All the power of God. So therefore, the devil cannot stay. He's no match for God. You see. To recognize that you have the key, you have the power. You're the elephant, and the devil is the mouse. You're not the mouse, and the devil is the elephant. Even though he tries to make you believe that, and unfortunately, a lot of Christians actually do believe that in their actions. They wouldn't admit that uh, by talking to them and to know we have authority over the devil. But their actions and the way they live their life when the enemy comes, they act like they're the the mouse, and, and the devil is the elephant. So we need to have our thoughts what we really believe in our actions to coincide with what the Word says, not just what we say we believe, but we must believe what we say and act upon it, and we will see the fruit and results from it. Now, demonic control, uh, that would be uh, demonic possession, where he actually controls your life, and not a lot of people have that. I've had some cases like that, but uh, not a lot of people 
uh, around here. Now, there's other areas, sometimes there's a lot more. But most of the time, it's oppression by the devil. The devil just uh, jading him and just uh, just worry, trying to worry him and saying things and putting things in their mind and poking at him and tormenting him, you see. Most of that is oppression, and you just bind him and cast him out of it, you see. But in demonic control, and I'm not going to get into that because we're, we're talking about things we were set free from, but we were set free from all those things. Satan has no right to take over you or me in any way, shape, or form. You have authority over him, okay? So we were delivered. That right there, we were redeemed from Satan trying to destroy us. We were and we are redeemed, and we still are redeemed. And we won't need that in heaven because we'll be where God is and Satan won't be there. But we are redeemed. So remember, Satan has no authority over you. He has no authority. You don't have to be afraid of him. Don't even give him the time of day saying, well, the devil did this, the devil. Don't glorify the devil there. Just kick him aside in the name of Jesus and go on knowing you're the king of kings is in your life and greater is he that's in me than he that's in the, in the world. Know that, and I'm more than a conqueror. I can do all things to Jesus. I'm not even going to consider the devil. I have authority over him. He's no match for me in the name of Jesus. You have to have that type of an attitude and belief and, and, and the way you walk and the way you live your life, you must maintain that, not just have it today, but have it tomorrow. And when he challenges you, have that thing. Recognize who you are and recognize who he is. And above all, knowing who God is, you see. And when you do that, you're going to win every time. The next thing is confusion. Well, the Bible tells us in Second Timothy 1.7 that God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but he gave us power, he gave us love, and he gave us a sound mind. Confusion... It's when the enemy attacks you many times in different areas and you're confused about what am I going to do about paying my car payment? Oh, how can I pay my rent? Can I get groceries this week? Oh, I don't feel good. Am I catching the flu or something going wrong with me? In other words, to get your all your mind all jaded and confused and get you all in an uproar, you see, just kind of all over the place and tormented. And that's confusion, really, when things are like that. And, you know, confusion many times comes is you're attacked by the enemy and you don't act upon that, he hits you something else or makes that a little bit harder, and they continue to, to bombard you with that, and then you go into a state of confusion, you see. So that's why you have to nip it in the bud, a little bit like Barney Fife used to say. When he comes in and attacks you with something and makes you bring fear, fear on your life, cause you to fear about something or torment you, we need to nip it in the bud right there because if you don't, it's going to grow stronger, and then it might be something else to come in, and you're going to have a double hit, and something else come in that way because the devil doesn't play fair. If he figures he can get you down and knock you down, he's going to hit you every way he can, and there's no boundaries with the devil. He does anything and everything that he can do to destroy you, you see. So if you don't deal with the things that come against you, it can come to a state of confusion, you see, if you let it mount up. Don't leave those things build up, you see. Don't leave it build up because it's, it's like corrosion sometimes and different things. They say always keep certain clean things clean or they'll corrode. Keep your house clean, mildew, and, and, you know, things like this. You keep them clean, and that's the way with your spirit, man. That's the way with your life. We need to keep it free and clean from Satan and what Satan has to offer us and what he tries to put on us. We have to keep free and, and clean, free and clean by the word of God in the name of Jesus, you see. And that's a daily thing. We need to maintain ourselves and make sure we're not allowing sickness, disease. Uh, we're not allowing fear, worry, uh, not being disobedient, having unforgiveness. 
we have to check ourselves, you know, examine ourselves to make sure that we're clean, we're pleasing the eyes of God, and we're not leaving Satan do his thing on us, you know, and just living with it, you know. A lot of people uh, have situations happen to them, and they just think, well, I just have to put up with this. I have to live with it. But no, you don't have to live with confusion or anything that torments your mind. He said, I didn't give you spirit of fear, but he said, I give you power. I gave you love, and I give you a sound mind, a mind that can think, make decisions, is sound, is quiet, and is peaceful. I gave that to you. I didn't give you the confusion. The devil's trying to give you confusion. So don't you let him do it. I've given you power over the devil, Jesus would say to you and I. He said, I've given you power over the devil. So we don't have to put up with that, folks. You use that power, he says in Luke 10, 19, and 20. Okay? And you won't have confusion. You'll find that thing will leave you. Then you'll be back to a sound mind. Then you'll say, why in the world did I leave this thing last with me that long? I could have had that peace. I just allowed him to beat on me, you see. You don't leave uh, a uh, mosquito to get on you and keep biting you or a bee to sting you or whatever. You don't do that, do you? You get rid of it right away. You knock him off right away. Well, that's what you do with the devil right away in the spirit, you see. A lot of things that you do in the natural, you compare in the spiritual, and it's the exact same thing. Just like if you want to become strong in your body, become muscular, you exercise by resistance, uh, lifting weights and doing things to build your muscles up, you see. Now, if you want to become strong spiritually, all you have to do is just live your life and work to make the Word of God in every aspect a reality in your life. And you're going to have opposition, trials, and tribulations. But overcoming the challenges that come against us, what makes us strong in our spiritual muscles, you see. We don't like to be challenged. We don't like to have to deal with things. You know, it's not fun. But you have to deal with things uh, in the spirit world and challenges in order to become strong spiritually. It's like you have to deal with barbells, weights, and resistance against your body, which isn't fun either, folks. It's not fun to build your body up either. That's challenging and sweaty and painful, and that's the way it is spiritually to build yourself up. You know, it's not a, uh, a pleasant thing. A, a lot of people think in order to get to a place spiritually, it's just a uh, laying on of hands, you just have this and everything, you're just a, a giant in God without going through anything. No, if you're strong in the Lord and mature, you're going to have to go through some very painful things. There's no easy way to it, folks. There's no easy way to it. But you just have to put the word over the circumstances, the situation, your feelings. When you do that and stand firm and pat and see his hand move in your life, that's what grows you, you see. That's what brings you closer to God. That's what shows you he's a real God. He's a very present help in need and time of trouble, you see. He's trying to show us that. That's how he gets us to a place. You know, we have challenges come against us. He says, okay, son, daughter, I, I didn't bring it to you. It just came against you now. I give you my promise. You use that promise against this thing that the devil is going to get you. And he said, when you do that, you'll have the victory. So you see, if we obey what he's told us to do and believe him more than we believe what man says or what we think or feel or what it, it looks like, then we're going to see God step in, you see. God's strength is made perfect in our weakness and the things that are impossible for us because what's impossible for you and I is possible with God. So we have to set, have our mindset in a mindset it's not our ability and strength and wisdom, but it's God. God will. God has made the way for us, and we are delivered, and it's been done 2,000 years ago. I am redeemed from this situation. I'm set free. Okay, the next thing, being defeated or failing. A lot of people have the 
fear of failure. That's why a lot of people don't do things because, hey, man, I'm going to fail. I'm going to mess up, and people are going to really laugh at me, and I'm just going to make a fool out of myself. What about my reputation? Oh, I might mess up. Well, see, that's another trick of the enemy, and that's no more than the spirit of fear. That's What that is really doing, that's believing the words that Satan has whispered in your ear against what the word says, I can do all things through you, you see. I can do all things through you, people. You know, I can do everything. I can do all things through Jesus Christ, who's trusting me. Okay? I can do all things through Christ Jesus, trusting me, Philippians 4.13. Now, the devil said, you can't do them. You're going to fail. But I can do all things through Christ that trusts me, Philippians 4.13. Can I do all things? Or, hey, I'm going to fail. I can't do this because Satan said I'm going to fail, so I'm worried. I'm not going to try this. Well, see, that's what happens. That's what happens right there. You're challenged on that. So, therefore, you have that fear. But he tells you in Romans 8.37, he says, In all things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Being more than a conqueror, and I've said this many times in the program here, means that we aren't the conqueror. We are following the one that conquered. And I give an illustration, and I love this illustration. It's just like we're following a man in the jungle, and he has a machete. He's knocking down the, the trees, the foliage, and all the things that are in the jungle, and we're following that man, okay, that has the machete. Now, I'm not going to the right or left. I'm right behind that man because the area has been cleared where he's at, so I'm following this man. Therefore, I have a straight path to where he's going. Now, Jesus isn't a man that he should lie. Jesus made the way in this life for everything we'd ever see, experience, and have need of. He has made the way. He's chopped all the things down. He's defeated Satan in all these areas. All you and I have to do is follow him and his word and the leading of his Holy Spirit, and we're going to come out like he did, the very same way, victorious. In this world, you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcame all of it. I've overcome all of it. Be of good cheer because I've overcome it all. So you can be of good cheer. Know that. Know that you overcome it all through him. Okay? So therefore, don't be afraid of being defeated or failing because, you know, for you to be defeated would be if you're following the Lord, that who, whatever is attacking you would have to be stronger than God. Is there anything or anybody stronger than God? No, there isn't. So if you, you can't possibly be defeated because God is your, you're following him. You, they have to take God out first, and they, you know they're not going to do that. Now you say, well, what about me failing? The only way you and I fail in what we do when we try to do it on our own, we're out there doing it on our own, think that we have a better way of doing it, you know. Think, think that we can hurry the process up. I'm going to just do it my way. I think this would work. I feel this way. This looks good to me. And we commence to do things our own way, and we find out we get messed up. And that's how we fail. Or we fail if we just quit and we say, I give up. I can't go any further. Failing means we don't continue following the Lord. We don't continue obeying what the Word says, because you cannot fail if you continue in the Lord, following his Word and his Holy Spirit, because he's going to lead you into all things. He's our comforter. He is our comforter. He comforts us. He directs us. He gives us peace. He provides for us. He's the one that takes care of business for us. So if we're following him, how can we fail? You see? Okay, carrying loads. A lot of people try to carry their own loads. They are carrying their own loads. 
they get bogged down, they get nervous, they have heart attacks, they're worried, uh, they drink, uh, they're tormented, they have suicides. Today that's happened to a lot of people. Statistics say that. A lot of these things are going on because people were worried about finances, the pandemic, uh, what's going to happen in the country, what's going to happen here, what's going to happen there. People are tormented by these things, you see, and they carry the load in their hearts, you see, about uh, how am I going to do this, how am I going to do that. They're trying to carry that load on their own shoulders, you see. And you and I weren't made to carry loads on our shoulders. We weren't created that way. We don't have the strength to do that. That's why Jesus said his word, those that are heavy laden and uh, labor, and I come to me and I'll give you rest. He tells us that in Matthew 11:28. We're heavy laden, which people today are very heavy laden. He tells me, he said, hey, all you that are laboring and are heavy laden, he said, come to me and I will give you rest. In other words, he said, I'm going to carry your load for you, but you've got to come to me first. I'm giving you an invitation. I'll carry that load, but you've got to come to me and give it to me. But people are not doing that. Now, how, how do we give our load to Jesus? Well, we just simply say, Jesus, I give you my financial problems. I give you this. I give you that. And then you use his word. What does his word say about the situation you're, you're in? Is it about finances? Is it about your health? Is it about decisions you need to make? Is it family problems? Uh, you pray. You look for scripture to find what pertains to it. And you stand in that scripture and you seek his faith and claim deliverance from him according to his word and know that he will take care of it. The, the, the most important thing is when you use the scripture, know that he's not going to. He is taking care of it for you from the time you release your faith and you ask him to do that. If you really mean it, he's done it. If you do it, at, say you do it now at this time, you look at the clock on the wall, what time is it you committed to God, write that down. Say, I committed whatever it was to God at 8 o'clock a certain night and whatever you committed, and then use that as your, your point of contact. That, hey, I committed this to God uh, two days ago at a certain time when the enemy tries to bring fear upon you for it. Because you have to accept it as a done deal. You see, you have to accept it as done, and it's done, and it's done, you see. You can't keep thinking and taking it back because there's too many things that attack us in life. Uh, uh, things will try to attack us this way, they'll try to attack us that way. And if you don't deal with them and get peace in each one as they try to attack you, it mounts up, and before you know it, you have a whole bushel basket full of problems that attack you. So it's important we knock one out, then knock the other one out, and whenever they come against us, by the word of God, you see, that's what God intended to say. That's why he gave us his promises. He knew that we were going to have these kind of needs in life. He knew that the enemy was going to contest us, but what he gave to us, that's why he encouraged us and, and told us what was going to happen and what to do, you see, in order that we could still receive the promise and walk a victorious life. He said, I've come to give you life and give you life more abundantly, uh, John 10.10. 10. The enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give you an abundant life. Now, it's up to you and I to, to believe that, hey, the enemy's trying to take this from me, but Jesus came to give me an abundant life, period, spirit, soul, body, finances, health, my life to be abundant and joyful, and I won't accept anything else. The devil won't stop me because God's will is for that for me. That's the will of God for me, and I will not leave Satan take that from me. I have peace in the word of God. I have peace in Jesus Christ. I believe his word. He's taken care of me. I trust him fully. I live my life for him. We must have that type of an attitude and a type of confession to God, showing him that we really mean business. He says, seek first the kingdom of God 
and Matthew 6.33, and all these things will be added unto you. Just seek him first, and he will take care of these things. A lot of things, I'll tell you what I've learned. A lot of things, if I'm committed to God, I don't have to, to have my hands out for something. I just have my hands for just worship and praise of him and serve with him, and then I don't have to go to him with my hands out for the simple reason, seeking first the kingdom, and these things will be added to you. He didn't say you had to ask for man. Many things are added to you without asking. He gives without asking. He blesses because he's pleased with you seeking him first. But too often, too many people are just seeking him when they're for their hands out, with their hands out, and not seeking him with his with their faith. You see, don't just seek the hands of God. Seek his face because if we seek his face, what's going to happen? We're going to seek his hands less. We're not going to have to be asking for things. But many times we ask for things because we aren't seeking his face. But we learn to seek his face and do what he wants. Life will become a lot more enjoyable and less hectic, you know. It really will. There's a, a flow in this, and you can you can see and feel and, and experience that flow of God. And you'll know that, hey, God is just working in my life. He's flowing in my life, you say, because I'm following him. And that, that's what it's all about. That is really what it's all about. And we do that, well, then what happens is we come to the place and we see God really moving and we're encouraged all the more. Okay, carrying the load, we got that to the Lord. Okay, worry and stress. Well, there again, they're pretty close. First Peter 5, 7 tells us to cast all care upon him because he cares for us. Worry and stress are just simply listen to what the devil's whispering in your ear. And then listen to that more than using the word of God. Now, the word, people will give you facts. The world will give you facts, and it's it's facts. You know, just, just like, and I'll get on this a little bit later to explain where you understand it a little better. But facts, some things are actually facts that uh, come against you that causes worry and stress. They're facts. They're reality. It isn't something that you're imagining, but it's something that's reality. But God's truth, what his word says about your situation, supersedes or overshadows the facts of man. That's the beautiful thing about it. You can have a situation that man it's just like an incurable disease. A person can have an incurable disease, which is a fact. They look at it, uh, the medical science looks at that, and the doctor says that, and it's an actual fact. I mean, it's lying truth. But it's not, excuse me, it's not truth, it's a fact. But truth is, by Jesus' stripes, you're made whole. So always remember, there can be facts in the world that are against you, the facts, but God's truth overcomes the facts, you see, if you believe his word. If you believe his word. In fact, he says in Second Corinthians 10.5 that we're to cast all imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every word of God under the captivity of Jesus Christ. In other words, what we hear, what's in our mind, is it Bible, is it God's word, or is it the devil's word? We have to be able to sort them out because it comes to your mind first. Your mind is your processing center. It's like your sifter, just like uh, when people pan for gold many years ago. They had these sifting pans, and they had to put things in there, and they, they shake them out, and the gold or whatever it was would stay on the top. The sand and the debris would fall through, and then what was the top was the good stuff. And that's the way our, our mind is with the things of God. We must recognize what are the things of God, what's the things of Satan. Things of Satan we just fall out, get rid of, but the things of God we maintain, you see, and then they go into our heart. We're guarding our heart. 
by our minds, you see. What we let through our minds will into our heart. And that's dangerous when it gets into our heart because of the abundance of heart or heart or mouth speaks. And death and life are in the power of tongue, you see. And with that, we have to recognize when we use our tongue speaking stuff that's in our hearts, that's what brings it to pass, you see, whether it's a positive thing from God or a negative thing from Satan. These truths about what we believe and what we declare work with God and they work with the devil. And unfortunately, people are better, many people are better at working them with the devil than they are working them with God, you see. So we have to be careful that it doesn't get into our hearts. Because when it gets into your heart, what you allow in your mind, and you keep thinking about that above the Word of God, what will happen eventually, it will become bigger than God. Then you'll start speaking it out and everything, and you'll say, oh, my, I'm sick. I'm not going to make it. I got this. I got that. And they'll just confess it. They'll speak what they have. They're speaking the things that that uh, are, not the things that aren't. You're not to speak of things that are that are negative. You speak to speak of things that aren't as though they were, like God did in, in Romans 4.17. He spoke of things that aren't as though they are. He spoke healing where healing wasn't, you see. He brings, he brings it to pass. That's just God's way of doing business. You speak of things that aren't as though they were. The things that you believe when you pray, you know, you'll receive, he tells you. If you believe it, when you pray, you've got it, he says. Mark eleven twenty four, Think you die when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. He promises you that. You believe first, and you receive secondly. You believe it. You believe you receive. You believe you confess, you receive it, you see, if you generally believe it according to the word of God. I mean, that's, that's not a formula or a magic word. That's simply God's word. It's by simply believing him that they get it from the spirit world into the reality or the manifestation into our lives. Okay, another truth in all of our lives right here. You were and are redeemed. We're redeemed and given a purpose to life, in life. A lot of people think they have no purpose in life. They think, oh, I'm just a waste. There's no purpose to me. I don't even know why I'm around. I don't know why I'm alive. Well, Jeremiah 29:11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you an expected end. In other words, I have a plan for you to give you a good life and not evil, but to give you something to expected end. And I've planned for you to finish this project and what I have for your life victoriously. And I can say, well done, now good and faithful servant. And you'll enter into heaven. He has a plan for you that he will be pleased with you and you'll fulfill that. He doesn't give you something to do that he thinks, well, he's probably going to fail it. No, he gives you, you things to do that he sees the ending of that thing, and his ending for you is to be successful. So he leads you the way to be successful. But if you don't follow him, he can't help that. You see, you, you, you bring your own doom when you disobey the Lord, you see. When you don't follow what he's directing you to do and you don't walk in obedience, what happens is you actually kill the deal. The only time people fail, I'll say it again, is when they quit following the Lord or they do things their way instead of the way God is directing them. When you follow God or are obedient to his word and doing things he told you to do, it has to work out. In other words, God wouldn't be God. We would be leaving, we would be, be leaving a lie that it works out when we follow God. We have to recognize that all things will work if we truly are following him. And we have a purpose in life. We have a calling in life. We have a a reality in life. We are worth something. We're all worth something. We're all special. There isn't like 
little old me and a great big you type thing. No, we're all human beings. We all have a, a plan, God's plan, designed for our life. But it's up to you and I to walk in that plan and find out from God what we are called to do. Allow him to show us. Now, I'm not going to get into that right now. That's a, a long process and everything, things you talk can talk about, but it's not that difficult. All you have to do is have that desire to do what he wants you to do because he looks at your heart. And when you are desiring something bad enough and you want something from God like that, he wants to show that to you because he wants you to fulfill his plan for you. Too many people don't want to fulfill God's plan. They want to fulfill what they want. They say, I want to fulfill God's plan, but they have preconceived ideas of what God's plan is. But we don't do that. We allow him to direct us by our by his steps, you say. And then we flow with those steps. Because to me, it isn't what I'm called to do. The blessing to me is doing what he wants me to do. That's the greatest thing. It isn't how great your calling is. It's are you called by him to do something and you are doing it at the best of your ability, you see. And knowing that that is what he wants you to do is greater than doing the greatest thing in this earth and not sure of it. Uh, I'd rather do something cleaning bathrooms in a church called by God to do that, knowing I'm called by God and blessed to do that, and I wouldn't be doing something world-renowned in my own strength, you see, because you're going to be rewarded in what you're called to do, not to what you're called, but the obedience to that calling. As many people could have a great calling, but not very obedient to that, and as other people would have a lesser calling, but they are obedient to it, you see. So you need to be obedient to what you're called to do, but when you're that way, that's where real peace and joy comes in. And that's, that's when you're under the shadow, really, of the Almighty in many things. Because to be in his perfect will, everything's set in order, you see. It's set in order. And that's where everything is in perfection, we're, when we're in his perfect will. Not permissive will, but doing exactly what he wants. You will find yourself, when you're in that place, the thing with this, they'll flow along. It'll be a, a sweatless type thing. You won't be laboring and struggling like a lot of people do because they're just not doing what they should do. Okay. So recognize you have a purpose. You're no less than anybody else. You're, you're, there isn't one person better than you, and that, that's the thing that uh, uh, the world has, and unfortunately the church has adopted a lot of that. They think, well, you're a mighty apostle. You're a mighty prophet. You're a mighty this. You're famous. You have thousands of people in the church. You're this. You're that. That's no greater than what you or anybody else is. We're all co-laborers together with Jesus Christ. We're laborers in the kingdom to win souls for Jesus Christ and to, to walk on our own salvation with fear and, fear and trembling and make it his word a reality in our lives and showing Jesus and looking more like Jesus and more being more like Jesus. That's, that's what it's about. It's not about some names or what we are or what we have or how much money. No, 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 no. It's our relationship to God and fulfilling what he wants of you and me. That is, that is the ultimate. That's the greatest thing. Don't ever think anything else but that right there what he wants you to do because he has a plan for you. Walk with your head high, knowing you're, you're just as good as anything or anybody else. You're no better, you're no worse, but we're on equal ground if we're following Jesus the way we should, no matter what we're called to do. Just see that that way. See that that way. Cause you're working for the master like the man that preaches around the world is working for the master, no matter if you're in one church, a small church, or whatever you're doing. So don't, don't ever have that idea because you're doing what God wants you to do. And that's, that's, that's the important thing. That's the all-important thing. Okay. Unknown attacks by Satan. Well, would you believe, folks, that you're redeemed from these uh, 
unknown attacks by Satan or kind of uh, broadside me or things that you don't know. And I'll, I'll tell you where it's at. In Isaiah 58, 8, it says, Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall speed, spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy re-reward. Well, back guard is really what it boils down to. He's, he's our re-reward, our re-reward. He's watching us in things that we don't know. He's protecting us. Uh, an example, uh, I've, I've had situations I was going to, years ago this was, this is something I never forgot, but I was going to uh, buy something that was rather costly. And uh, anyhow, I was going to do that, but the Lord told me, no, no, don't do that. I thought, why in the world did he want me to do it? I asked him if I could do it, but he wouldn't let me do it. And I found out a matter of maybe a couple weeks later that my car went south on me, <laughs> and I had to get another car. So right there would have been the money that I would have spent that I needed for the car. So he knew that. There's been people that, uh, and this is, this is really a serious matter, that uh, airplanes have crashed. And, and, and people went in 9-11. They didn't go to work that day. They knew something came up and they stopped from going to work that day or they stopped getting into a fatal airplane, and they were spared. God knew that, and he spared them from getting into that airplane. God knew the people 9-11 in the buildings there, and they didn't go to work. And if they would have went to work, they would have perished like the others that day. But he stopped them from doing that. And he sometimes, unbeknowingly, uh, you could get tied up in traffic, and you say, my, oh, my, I'm tied up in traffic. I wanted to get to this place. Man, it's taking a long time. This daggone traffic. Why am I tied up here? And I've done that before, unfortunately. And how do you know that if you would maybe went like you expect to go, maybe there's a crash down the road there, or maybe something would have hit you and you'd have been dead. God knows that. You see, we don't know that. How many times have we been spared to things look like it's a negative thing that stopped us from doing something? But if we would have done it, we would have been hurt or maybe killed doing it, you see. A lot of these things, we just don't realize why they happen. We think it's a negative, but it's a positive, and maybe our very life positive. So we have to be careful in the things that we say, because remember it says in Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to those that are called by God, or work for good to those that are called according to his purpose, or obey him and are called according to his purpose. And if we obey him and we're called according to his purpose, it'll work for our good, you say. So we have to sometimes take things with a grain of salt because sometimes there's some special reasons behind these things that we might know that we get to heaven. But this this shows how God, even no matter how much we know, how much experience we have, uh, things can hit us broadsided, or you could say a sucker punch or something by the devil. What we want to say that we weren't expecting it just hit us unbeknownst, but somehow God steps in and protects us or he stops us. I could I could cite examples now that my wife and I have experienced would have been death experience, but he stepped in and that was it. You see, he he protected. Here's our rear guard. He stepped in. We'd have been we'd have been killed in auto accidents and various things like that. But he stepped in. We didn't know it. Uh, my wife was uh, just one example. I'll give you. She was getting ready to pull out of the place uh, where you normally pull out when the light changes, and she just kind of coasted out there. Didn't really hit it out. And here's a vehicle that came flying out. I don't know how fast it was. I wasn't in the car, but it was speeding, and it should have pulled out. It should have been hit broadside on the driver's side by a car that's probably doing 80, 90 mile an hour, maybe. It should have pulled out, you see? So, but anyhow, the enemy tried to kill her there, but God somehow kept it back because she didn't step out like she normally would. And how many times did you not did something like you normally would? You found out if you did it, 
something could have happened. I won't say you'd have lost your life on some of these things, but something could have been hurt. You could have lost something. And God does that for the ones that are truly following him. If you really love the Lord and are following him, now a person that's haphazard with God and just kind of mediocre, sometimes he will do this, but not all the time. But these are committed people. These are promises to those that love God they are called according to his purpose and are living for him, you see. A lot of people want to claim a lot of promises, and sometimes they don't work, and they wonder why they don't work. Well, are you really living for God? God's not Santa Claus or conditioned to God's promises, you see. We must meet conditions. You don't just run in when you want something and say, okay, God, see you later. I'll come back when I need something else. And that, that's the way a lot of people handle God. They'll be praying and seeking God on something they need, but not about seeking his faith for what they're doing. I just want you when I need you for something for me. I'm not interested in you, God, for doing anything, but just help me. i got need for this, you see. And that's the only time they want to come to him. That's the way a lot of people look at God. They don't pray properly. They don't understand. They wonder why this didn't happen. Why did that happen? But uh, the promises of God and the things of God are for, are for people that are committed, folks. Too many people want to shortcut it the, the best they can just by the skin of their teeth. Uh, they want to get to heaven by the skin of their teeth. They want to serve by the skin of their teeth because they still want to do what they want to do. I still want my will in this thing a little bit. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. Well, I found living for God, I have a lot more fun than living for the devil. I really do. And even if I'm not doing anything, I have so much joy inside of me that uh, I couldn't have that if I had everything going for me. He gives you a piece of the joy that you aren't going to get no matter how much money you have, how many people you have, or how much power you have, you see, because it's from him, you see. Okay? This is, he said in Second Corinthians twelve nine, my grace is sufficient for thee because my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Much gladly, therefore, would I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Okay, his grace is sufficient for us. He said, my strength made perfect in your weakness. In other words, I was weak when it came to speaking in front of people. I was backward. I didn't even want to go to public speaking class. I did not want to get before people. Now, you know with me being a, an evangelist, uh, apostle, prophet, I, I minister. I minister most things that I, I keep active, like before people, churches, pastors. I'm definitely before people, right, one way or another. Now, if I would still be the way I was when I was in school in public speaking class, I wouldn't be doing anything. But he said, my strength made perfect in your weakness. So God's strength made perfect in my weakness. What my weakness was is inferiority complex. And my weaknesses, that was my weakness. It was, it was in me. But God made his grace sufficient for me and perfect, you see. God strained his strength perfect for me changed me from what I was to what I am right now. And that's how it shows itself as God. Billy Graham was that way. He was as weak in areas. But look what what he did for with mighty, mighty man of God, Billy Graham, how he used him mightily, winning probably more souls than anybody we can think of. He was a great soul winner, a great preacher. And recognize that when you see a person like that, it has a background. It was the exact opposite of what they became. How in the world did it become that? My strength made perfect in your weakness, Billy, is what God would say. You see, hey, that must have been God, because how in the world could that man have done so much with being the attitude that he had? Or myself, or anything that we do, anything that I would do, or anything. How could I be preaching or teaching or doing anything today 
if I felt that way about things you say. And that's why the Bible tells said, let the weak say I am strong, because really you're not weak. If you let your weaknesses and turn them over to God, he'll make them your strength. What's your weakness will become your strength because my strength is made perfect in your weakness. What is weak in you, you will overcome it by God because he'll make his strength and put his strength in you in that situation where you will excel in that area. You will become and excel what you want. You will become master at. You'll become superior at, you see. What you are so weak in, and you might have been a zero, you'll go up to 100% in that thing, you see, because people are looking at this. Why, how did this happen? And that's how God shows himself, doing things that just you just you just don't do. How in the world did that change come? God. God did it. We testify that God did it. God made me this way, you see. That's why we testify. That's why he says, let the weak say I'm strong. So therefore, there's no weak person. They let God make his strength perfect in them and their weakness, you see. If they allow God to do that, or they can stay and say, hey, I'm weakness here. I give up. Oh, I can't do that. No, I'm not going to do this. Oh, I just can't do it. But if they say, God, I'm willing to trust you in this because I've been weakness here, but I'm believing you to make me strong, and then they dare to step out and do something that requires some uh, faith to do it because they're called to do something their weekend, they do that, and when they do that, they find themselves being strong in that area, and they say, my, oh, my, ooh, look what happened. It's, it's just like people that have never, uh, I used to teach soul winning classes and take people out soul winning and how to win souls. A lot of people didn't want to speak. They were afraid to speak, you know, the people you take out. And, man, when they got to talking and everything, they came out of there, they were so lifted up to God because God used them to win that person to Jesus Christ or to witness to them, and they were bold. They, they had something. They said, I didn't know I could do that. Wow. And God worked through them. They were so excited. And that proved to them that, hey, look what God did in me and what, what he did through me. And that's what happened. You see, they trusted. So what we have to do in the matters of things of God, we have to do the things that uh, we are challenged by. We have to face our challenges like David did and dare to step out and trust God to give us the ability to do it because he will. If he called you to teach a Sunday school class or to start a business or whatever it is, step out in that because Usually, most of the time, and I've had it happen numerous times, writing a book, starting churches, I've, I've had all these things, and I didn't know nothing about nothing. He put me in there at a zero about it, but he supplied the people. He supplied everything I needed to get the job done, and he do, does that with everybody. And what you do, you have a project that he wants you to do. What you simply do is just start that project and trust him for it and watch what he'll do through that and show himself. Not only will you see it, but others around you will see it, and who will get the glory for it? Hey, you give God the glory for it. Look what God did here. I didn't have this. I didn't have that. It's like I'm glorifying God now. I wrote a book. I never know anything about it, and God has used that to touch many, many, many people's lives. I started several churches. God used the churches for many great things. I mean, I've seen this by experience. I've done this thing. I'm speaking from experience. And I've seen God do that. Was it because I was anything? No. I knew nothing about it. But he sent the things and people around, the things that I need, the things, that, uh, the money or whatever was needed, and he got the job done. So, therefore, I glorified God in that because he told me to do what I didn't know how to do. I had no way of doing it, and he did it. So I take no glory for anything. Never will. Never can. Never will. Nobody ever can because God is the one that does it. It's not by power might, but by my spirit, says the Lord in Zechariah 4, 6. So God does these things. So 
stop thinking your ability or your inability because you don't have ability. It's God's ability that does the job. You see, it's Jesus, and in his name it gets the job done. You don't get the job done. You're not the man. He's the one. He's the only one. He's the only one that gets the glory. Recognize it that way. It's, it's his program. It's, like they would say, it's his show. God says, hey, I don't have any room up here in my throne for anybody but me. I have the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. The right hand of me now is Jesus, and I believe the Holy Ghost would be in the left hand of the Father. There's no more seats up there for you and I, folks. It's all the Trinity. It's all him. He's the one who's glorified, not us. We are his servants. We're his children. We serve him and everything. He blesses us. We're special in his eyes, but we're not holy in the sense that we are, are, are uh, in a glorified form, that we are like he is in that sense. No, he's God. We're not God. We're his children, but he is God. He, he's the supreme being. We're not the supreme being. He's God. Okay. Hate and unforgiveness. Well, Romans 5, 5 says that, that uh, hope. Make us not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. We have God's love in our hearts, and we have to not have unforgiveness, because if I have unforgiveness, I won't make the rapture, and I won't go to heaven, because he says in Mark 11, 20, 20, uh, 6 and 7, Mark 11, 25 tells us that uh, we, if we have unforgiveness, you know, he won't forgive us. If you read it along the scriptures, Mark 25 and 26. And uh, that is a dangerous way to be in or a dangerous position to be in. Have unforgiveness because if you don't forgive, my father will not forgive you. I won't forgive you, he says. So therefore, we need forgiveness, and we're going to need forgiveness to leave this earth because we're going to still sin, folks. Now, I don't like to say that, but we're not perfect in our walk. I'm not. I'm not perfect in my walk, and I have to at times ask God to forgive me for something. And you do, too, if you're on it. It's not a regular practice with me, but yet there's times that we do. We aren't perfect in our walk. I'm perfect in God's eyes. I'm perfect in him. I'm not perfect in my walk. Paul said, I'm, he said, I press towards the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus, not as though as I've attained it, Philippians 3, 13 and 14. I haven't attained it, but I'm pressing towards it. I'm pressing towards it to be more like Jesus. But I have news for you. I haven't arrived yet. I haven't arrived yet. Neither has anybody else. Nobody that you know of or ever will know of in this life ever, biblical character, anybody is ever going to arrive or be arrived. But we're going to be as close to it as we can be as we obey him. That's where grace comes in, where I fall short. His grace covers me. You see, when I do my very best, and my very best will not make the mark. So, therefore, grace comes in. See, that's what grace is. You know, that's for you and I to do our best in obedience, and we'll fall short in the greatest obedience we have, and that's where his grace was designed for us to to make up for what we fall short in. He knows we'll fall short, but he wants us to be willingly doing the things to the best of our ability and the best of our obedience ourselves as best as we can, you say. And if you're doing your best in him and distrust him, his grace is there. No condemnation to them in Christ Jesus who walk not after the Spirit and in the Spirit in Romans 8.1. Okay, so whatever you do, no hate or unforgiveness because that will destroy you right there. Uh, I'm not even going to get into these. And I can get into many of these things. I could really start explaining and get into some things, but I'm just covering what they are. We've been redeemed from. We've been given love in our hearts that we can love 
not in our own strength or our own situation, but we simply will it. Unforgiveness, forgiving somebody, is not on a feeling. It's an act of your will. That's all it is. Because you're not going to have that uh, kumbaya feeling towards them. They do you wrong. You say, I need to forgive them. Boy, I like to punch them. Well, you're not going to have the kumbaya feeling, but you're saying, God, I know I have to give, forgive so-and-so what they did to me. I have to forgive them. I don't feel like I'd rather punch them. But you told me to forgive, so not my will, but your will be done in this. So I forgive so-and-so for what they did, did to me, and I ask you to forgive them also. Then you start praying for them because they wouldn't have did what they did if they were really following the Lord, you see. They wouldn't have messed up with you or did you wrong if they were really walking obedient to the Lord. And that's how you forgive. It's an act of your will, not an act of your feeling. At times, though, when you, after you do that, you start praying for somebody, the feelings become better towards that person. At first, there could be anger, but you're doing like Jesus did. He said, not my will, but your will be done. And, you know, he gave us strength over our wills in Gethsemane. That's the first place that Jesus shed his blood. And, you know, that blood came down from his forehead down there. He bursted his blood vessels, and that blood, paid for you and me to be able to use our will and put it down and say to the Father, just like he did, Lord, not my will, if it be possible, take this thing from me. But, Lord, nevertheless, it's what you will, not what I want. It's what you want. And you and I need to be at that place to say that, period. Period. In other words, that's the way we need to live our lives, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. We face hard situations, Lord, I, boy, I don't want to do that. I, ooh. But, Lord, nevertheless, not my will but yours. Was there any greater time that anybody ever had to say that than what Jesus did when he said that to the, the Father when he had facing Calvary? What he went through there was, was unreal. It was so horrible. So if anybody wanted not to do something, who would want to really go what he had to do, what he, what he was assigned to do, and he had a choice. That was the hardest time to say, not my will, but yours, Lord. So he went to the, the ultimate and say, not my will, but yours. So what you and I say, not my will, but yours, Lord, will be less than what Jesus did when he <clears throat> took that punishment upon the cross and went through things beyond imagination, you say. So recognize that Jesus, when he faced the hardest thing that any man ever faced, he said to the Father, not my will, but your will. So I think you and I can do that same thing because he's given us that ability, and it's going to be far less of a decision than what he had to make. So because he made it, you can make it, and I can make it because that blood paid for me to be able to say the same thing he did. So recognize that it's not your feelings, but it's an act of your will. Okay, generational curses. Okay, Isaiah 53, 5. Inherit, generational and inherited curses is he was wounded for our transgression he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed that's uh, back in Isaiah 53 5 we were healed we're still healed now he was bruised for our iniquities you know what a bruise is he shed blood inwardly for our iniquities outwardly you know he was whipped uh, he was with a spear you know in his side uh, the nails in his feet, his hands. All those times he shed blood, right? He shed blood seven times. I had a message I did some time ago, the seven times that Christ shed his blood. That's how many times he shed it. And it, it pointed out the factors, which I said one just a minute ago about uh, being in Gethsemane. That was the first time he shed his blood. Well, this blood that he shed 
when he was bruised for iniquities, that bleeding from the inside, of course, is different from the outside. That's what a bruise is. It's bleeding from the inside. That inside represents the things that we can't see. You see the iniquities from within, like pride, jealousy, hatred, all these uh, uh, iniquities from inside that are, are just pleasurable to God, uh, curses that are inside from our family that uh, generational. It could be a curse of alcoholism, incest, whatever grandpa did, father did, and the son does. That's what you call curses, you see. It comes down generationally, you see. And it's in the tune of like a doctor. You go to the doctors, and he said, did, uh, did your grandparents ever had cancer? Did your parents have cancer? They have heart problems? That's generational, see, along the bloodline there. And it's the same thing with uh, generational curses, spiritual that way. It's spiritual uh, situation, the same as it's a natural situation with doctors, the very same thing. But I'll tell you what, we have a new DNA in Jesus Christ, so therefore, uh, by Jesus' stripes, we're healed, so therefore, I don't have to suffer cancer and heart attacks and things like that because my family had them, if my family had something like that, because I have Jesus' DNA. It's not the DNA of my parents and family. And also, if you had a family that uh, the father did this, the grandfather, grandmother, whatever, you're in that line of supplies and lack of curses, but you don't have to receive that either because you have a new DNA in Jesus Christ, and you're redeemed from that. So those curses need to be broken off of you. If you have curses in your life, they need to be broken. They need to be broken. Or it's alcoholism. It, it could be womanizer, a, a very bad temper. You, you name it, things that seem to come down the bloodline. And generally, and I won't get into this teaching here, these are, these are messages I can just be teaching on right now. Probably we're doing more on that. I've done, done it on some already. But uh, these curses and all these things that were inherited from within, that bruised inside these iniquities paid that I can be free, that you can be free, you see. Generational curses inherited or curses just put on you by a witch or something like that, you see, uh, or whatever, or a direct attack of Satan. You have that authority. We, you've been redeemed from these things because of the blood of Jesus Christ. So that's another thing. I won't, like I said, I won't go into detail about that, but you've been redeemed from this. So remember this. Uh, you've been redeemed. Your DNA is not the same as your parents were. If they had this disease, that disease, you're redeemed from it, and you claim that because in Jesus' name I don't receive it. That was part of them. I have a different DNA right now. By Jesus' sake, I'm whole and I'm well. I don't receive that. And of course, other curses can be broken off of you in the other realms that I was talking about. So you are free from these things. So you see, you can't be held back or held down or doomed because of what you came from or who you came from, whatever your past was. Because you have a new DNA when you're in Jesus Christ. Remember that. You, Paul, he said he was the chief of all sinners. You know that? First Timothy one fifteen, I believe it is. He said. Uh, he was chief. He said, he said, I was the chief of all sinners. I've been saved with Jesus, and I was the chief of all sinners. He was. He was because he killed Christians. He stood there when Stephen was stoned and actually gave the order and held his cloak while they stoned Stephen, the uh, deacon, to death. And Stephen got a standing ovation from heaven by God. Father and son, they, well, they stood up with a standing ovation in heaven with Stephen. And he stood there, Saul at that time, which is led to the Apostle Paul, and did that. So you see, he had some, some serious things against him. So he said, I was the chief of all sinners. So 
recognize that uh, there's nothing that's bad. It's so bad that, hey, I came from this and my family did this and we did that. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. You're washed clean like it never happened in your life and you start a new life. You have a new beginning, a new start. Old things pass away. All things become new in Christ, Second Corinthians 5.17. When you're in Christ, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things become new. Old things are passed away. That's what happens, you see. You're a new man or a new woman. So you're never too bad to come to Jesus Christ. Recognize that. He makes you right, you see. You don't make yourself right, but he makes you right, and you follow him, you see. Okay, I just have a couple more things here. Loneliness. Okay. Hebrews 13.5 tells us, it says, Let your conversation or lifestyle be without covetousness or be content with the things that you do have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. No matter what you're seeing, feeling, what your circumstances are, Jesus is always there. You must have a mindset of that. You don't measure what's going on in your life. The Jesus is there. He's not there, you see. He's with you in the good times. He's there when you're challenged. He's there when things are happening, and he's there when things are not happening. He's there when you think, where are you, Lord? Nothing's happened in my life. It's just my life is just hmm, humbug, dull. Nothing's going on. What's going on here, Lord? He's there. But we have to practice his presence. Practice is I know you're there with me, no matter what I'm feeling or what I'm seeing. No matter what I'm feeling, what I'm seeing, or what I'm going through, you are with me. You will never leave me. You will never forsake me. You will not leave me alone. You have to just have that as a mindset. Hold on to that. That's your foundation. Because if you have that there, comfort will come in the midst of your trials and tribulations. You'll know it because he's there, and he'll bless you for that. He will not leave you stranded. He's a very present help in time of need and trouble. Psalms 46.1. He's a very present help. But practice his presence. He never leaves you. You've got to get that because too many people fall from that. They say, oh, the Lord never takes us. He never leaves us. But they become something. And they say, where is he at? They act like he's not there anymore, you see. I can say I believe God for this. Say I have peace, God. Then I go to bed at night, chew my fingernails, not able to sleep. Oh, I have peace. Do I? We can kid ourselves about things. You either have it or you don't. It either works or doesn't. It's time that we take things seriously. God had said, uh, I'd heard some time ago about this, and I know it's the truth, and I've felt it in my own spirit, uh, that people don't take the Word of God seriously. And what God is doing now, he's bringing reality. I know revelations that I've been getting are simply revelations or a simple truth that you're learning more and it's gone deeper into knowing that you can do all things in his word is simply true. It all goes back to the word is true, do it. The word is true, do it. You see, it's simplicity, but what happens is people try to uh, skirt it, try to say, oh, I don't want to do this, I want to do that, and they just make excuses and they complicate it. It's not really complicated. Just do it. If it was complicated, we wouldn't know anything about it. The simple things people are falling over much less complicated thing, but it only becomes complicated when we disobey him and try to talk ourselves out of it or try to kid ourselves, then we start to get worried and fearful and complicated and fidgety about it. But just simply do it. James one twenty two says that we'll be not only hearers but doers of the word. Otherwise we deceive ourselves. So loneliness, practice his presence. We gotta practice his presence. You know, 
you might conduct your life a little bit better, too, if you practice his presence and the things you do and the things you say. Because if you could see Jesus standing beside you now, would you act any different than you do? Well, if you're practicing his presence, it'd be the same thing. If you really mean business, because I'm going to tell you something, whether you practice it or not, guess what? He's there. Amen? And he sees you. Okay, enough said by that. And one more thing we're going to do. Uh, low self-esteem. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 6, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You are sitting in the heavenlies. You have the authority of the heavenlies. You have the authority of the word of God. You have the authority in the name of Jesus. You are special in his eyes. You are more than a conqueror. He's given He has a plan for your life. He has all these things for you. He's given you everything according to life and godliness and for the future, you see, his word is declared. Now, we have all that, and then you have a low self-esteem. You're seated in heavenly places. He's given you all these things, and, and you act like a pauper, and he's given you everything in heaven. He's building a home in heaven for you someday that you're going to go into a mansion that's beyond what you could ever even dream of. He has all that for you, and you have all this now, and you're sitting like a man that has $10 million in his, his pocketbook and starving to death sitting out in the street somewhere with nothing to eat. That's what it's like, folks. You've got to take advantage of these promises and act on these promises and believe. Believe these promises because that's what brings them to pass. Faith is dead without works. The works are simply applying what the Scripture says and expecting the result that the Scripture says. If a woman bakes a cake and she puts certain ingredients in and does it and bake it the way it's supposed to be baked, it should turn out right. normally does, doesn't it, if you do things right. Hey, that's the way with God. You just do it his way, and guess what? It works. A lot of people say, well, I don't believe in Christianity. That's a false belief and everything. It's a religion. No. It's a relationship, but there's one thing else that it is that other things aren't, that other things can well can't say. And you know what it is? It might look like foolishness, but guess what? Christianity and the Word of God actually works. It actually works if you work it. So... And these lessons here, these two uh, messages right here, part one and part two, I want you to listen to them again and get as many people listening to them as you can. And pray and say, God, help me in this area. Show me what you want. Because if you take these things to heart, I promise you that God will change your life. It will change your life because it will bring you to the place where he can mold you into what he wants you to be. And that's what these programs are all about, for you to be more like Jesus, for me to be more like Jesus, for all of us to be more like Jesus. So I encourage you to go to the on-demand section to listen to the programs. And I encourage you now, after we're getting ready to sign off, just to uh, go in your, your bedroom or someplace and, and pray and say, now, God, what do you want from me now? And for things that you were convicted on right here, I ask God to forgive you and to help you in these areas because he wants to make these things right in your life. Let's go to prayer. Let's go to prayer. Father, I want to praise you and thank you for the, the message tonight. Lord, I thank you for the word that you said. And, Father, I recognize these words are life. These, these words bring results, your results, because you said that your word will not turn back to you void. We will go with the intended purpose you planned it to go for. So, Father, right now I would just lift up this audience and those who will listen to this program later. And, God, move in their hearts and make the changes in their lives. 
those whatever the need that they have, whatever needs to be done, just draw them closer to you, Father, with this program. Use it for your glory, Father. Use it for your glory and cause them to recognize that, yes, you are a true God, and yes, it is your power. And yes, I don't have to be fearful of anything because you have my life. And, Father, I just pray that you just be with each and every one now. And, Lord, I just thank you for what you've done tonight and for what you're in the process of doing and how you're, you're at, yes, Lord, you're, you're moving on the hearts even now. Changes are taking place and lives are being changed, Father. I thank you for that. I thank you, Father, for the changing of lives. And, Yes, you are more than conquerors. You're more than conquerors in Jesus. In Jesus, you can do all things. Practice those things. Practice those things, saith the Lord. Okay, everybody, I want to tell you I really enjoyed tonight being with you all, and I want to invite you back. I'll be back on the uh, second uh, week, the second Tuesday of April. I think that's about the 12th of April. I think that's the date. I'm not sure. Then, of course, the last uh, uh, Tuesday in April. So I want to thank you all, and I just pray God's blessings upon you, and just let Jesus have your life, and just follow his word and do what we're speaking of tonight, and just watch what he'll do in your life. I love you all now, and you have a blessed evening. Good night, everybody.